Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Back to Basics program with Rabbi Liel Shalom. On today's episode, we are going to be continuing last week's episode, which was Jewish history, but we are going to be focusing on Purim. We all know the Purim story, but what happened behind the scenes? Is the Purim story really all just about a 180-day party, some crazy guy threatening to destroy the Jewish nation, Mordechai HaTzadik kicking that crazy guy, and then hanging him and his 10 sons? Well, today we're going to find out. I'm Yisrael Yudkowski. You are listening to the Foundation's podcast. Before we start, quick update from potstatus.com which says, Foundations Podcast has great performance in the Judaism category on Apple Podcast rankings. We are number 21 in the UK, number 22 in the US, and number 27 in France. The Foundations Podcast Nation, we are officially all over the globe. We have listeners from the United States, Europe, Israel, all the way to Russia, and many, many more countries. So thank you everyone for the support, for believing in us. Uh, for pushing us and giving us the chizik uh, to continue with this amazing, amazing content. If you have any questions, if you would like us to change or add anything, all feedback is welcome. So email us at jewishfoundations at gmail.com. That is jewishfoundations at gmail.com. Now let's get to today's episode. So we are going, it's kind of a continuation from last week, which we started Jewish history. But today is going to shift more specifically into Purim. Uh, so we're going to kind of go into the behind the scenes of Megillah Sester. Everybody knows the story with Haman, Achashverosh, Mordechai, the horse, the garbage, the, you know, hanging, the blah, blah, blah. Everything is nice. Good to know. You need to know it. But kind of behind the scenes, something that I am very excited to learn about. Right. So the things that led to it and, yeah, the things that... Yeah, not just what happened, around why it happened and exactly. how it happened and kind of... And, you know, like you know, we said last week, you're going to appreciate the Megillah when you read the actual story of the Megillah and you say, ah, oh, wow, that's connected to that, that's connected to that. Okay, so yeah. uh, thank you very much. And um, unfortunately, we cannot, you know, we're going to need like five episodes to cover the whole entire behind the scenes of the actual Megillah. But what we're going to do is at least give you a nice, you know, taste of at least all the stories leading to Megillah and starting the Megillah. And we'll end up with like really the main thing that really started this whole miracle and explain to it and, you know, appreciate it a little bit more. So last week, um, right, I told you that there will be a connection between all the 1,080 treasures that Nebuchadnezzar hid and killed all of the people that were working on the project, and it was sitting on the bottom of a lake, basically, right? Buried underground, 1,080 treasures, like we said last week. It was not only treasures, it was like 1,080 themes of treasures, something incredible. And, okay, so let's skip. Like combined Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, uh, Bill Gates, yeah. Warren Buffett, just, just, and, and a thousand eighty of those people, and that's more or less what what he had. And, and it was real. It was not only like numbers and stocks. It wasn't Bitcoin. Part of it. And it was, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was real 
Well, like it was from all over, all around the world. Gold, bricks, pearls, ivory, any diamonds, anything, yeah. call it, call it a name. And to put it in are, other words, it was a nice amount of money. Yeah, some might say a little bit too much, but it was Nebuchadnezzar's hobby, basically <laughs> his collection of all of his wars he ran around the world. Basically, that's what it was. All of his personal trophies, you can call it. So, okay, after that horrifying story that he buries him uh, all the treasures and and kills, uh, so no one knows about this thing for years and years. Okay, for uh, for for a few amount, nice amount of years. So, right, Nebuchadnezzar dies. Thank God. And um, did anybody know that? Like. Obviously, he killed the people who went and hit it, so nobody knows where he hit it. But were there still people back in his country that knew that, oh, yeah, he took all his treasures and went and hit it somewhere? Just nobody knew where uh, I didn't it was? See, or, I, pe- or just nobody knew even that he took, that he did this thing? Right, right. Good question. I, for sh- I, it's not written, but, um, but I'm sure like people that are close to him, at least they knew he was very, I mean, he didn't hide the fact that he had all the treasures mm-hmm. he just didn't want to die giving it to someone else that that's the reason why he did yeah. it sick uh, huh? so it's probably also it makes sense that other people knew that oh yeah. he took his treasures and went and hit it but i don't know right i don't and, know what happened to the people who did it or they probably knew what happened could to be the people could who be did people it. went and looking searching for it but who would find it Bemet, who would right. find it no i'm saying because how did people know to go look for it Obviously, they knew they're like, oh, we hit it right. somewhere, so let's go try right. to, you know, kind of try to I'm find. Sure. Again, know. this is my guess. It doesn't say we don't have the full history. We only have what's relevant to us. We don't have the full history <clears throat> of exactly maybe his son. We're going to talk about his son and his grandson if they try to look for it because, you know, probably they knew about it. Um, But it's an interesting point. There's not much written about that. But you're going to see what's going to happen with the treasure right now. So who's the son? Uh, Nebuchadnezzar has a son named Evil Merodach, also an evil person. And uh, I mean, quite almost quite he obvious. He grew up in Nebuchadnezzar's house, yeah. so you could just <laughs> and, imagine. Right. And Evil Merodach had a son named Belshazzar. So don't forget that, um, the again, this the kind of thing that people have a hard time to relate to it, that although they destroyed our base, I mean, destroy the kingdom of 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 Claudius Israel, of Judah, although they destroyed it, right, and he killed Tzitkia, it was a horrifying story. But the the, the Chachamim, like I explained last last week, the Chachamim are great sages, they were deered by the by the Babylonian kings, Nebuchadnezzar, Evilmerodach Belshazzar, and one of them, one of the great Chachamim, uh, Nevi'im, that were that were part of the, you know, their help, they were advisors, were Daniel. So Daniel, if you look in the Sefer Daniel, you see the whole story around him being around the kings, right? Everyone knows the story that they threw him into the into lion cave. That that was actually not with the Babylonians; it was with the Persians. But that's a different story. But anyways, go to Daniel and you see that whole period of time from um, the prophet Daniel's perspective. So now back to our story. So Belshazzar is the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar. Um, he is making a huge party. And at the time, he was a little more of a weak person. 
And obviously the biggest Bab- the biggest rivals to the Babylonians were the Persians. Persians also were looking to take over the world. By the way, Iraq and Iraq, which is sort of Bavel of today, right? And Iran, which is sort of Persia today, at least demographically and, you know, more or less, although it got mixed up, messed up a little bit uh, since the Muslim era. But um, it's interesting that they still have a, have a war. They just had it in, in the 1980s. They had a 12, around that period of time, they had a war of 12 years that lasted wow. for 12 years just now. Iraq and Iran. They're big rivals because Iran always wants to control the world. I mean, obviously we see it. And Iraq always lived with this legacy that they were the that they were the empire of the world. Saddam Hussein, if you know the history of little Saddam Hussein, he was inspired by uh, by Bavel. He was always saying like he was proud of it that Bavel was was is Iraq. It's interesting. Just like as a side point, go look into it if you're into these stuff. Interesting history and the links between today and the past. It's a very interesting point. Anyways, Belshazzar makes this huge party. And at the time already, the Persians are waiting to finish him off. In the middle of this party, uh, there was an incredible spiritual event. A big hand came out of nowhere. And it drew, drew uh, letters, Hebrew letters on the wall. Um, they try to figure out what that was. They say Belshazzar saw the full hand. The others didn't fully see it, the, but they saw the writings. And his advisors try to figure it out. They couldn't figure it out. It was like a bunch of letters. And um, I wish I were able it to show it to was you. Was it words or is it just... It was just letters, a bunch letters, of letters together. Letters. And they didn't know exactly how to read it. And then they called Daniel, and Daniel manages to... To, to he figured out very simple like he read from the top it was mana uh, mana takel uparsin that's what it said over there but mixed but if you read it one stock one, one on, one on other, top, of, on each top other. of each other exactly yeah. it's kind of uh chinese i think they write yeah top to bottom ah, i never thought not, about it not right to left they write from top to bottom right so like chinese it was it was set up and it said mana mana takel uparsin which means, uh, and counting, takel uh, will be finished, uparsina will be split. Um, and Daniel um, explained that what it means is that uparsin uh, also, by the way, also hints to parsim, to Persia, right? So that's also a side point over there. Um, so very interesting, Daniel understood that it's a, th- that, that, it means that the kingdom of Bavel will be finished, will be takel, will be cut off. Um, everyone got fear from that experience, from that spiritual experience, and kind of ran away. And there were two, they felt that the Persians are coming, basically. I mean, it was a an imminent, you know, it was a coming threat. But um, um, so everyone got really scared and two of his guards, which were afraid to be captured by the Persians, decided, let's just finish him off and go to the Persian side. They cut off his head and went to the Persian side and and told him, here's Belshazzar. So that's, was, that was the end of the Babylonian uh, empire, okay, by Belshazzar. Belshazzar, they finished it off and the Persians take over. Now, the Persians were a, a different story. 
the first king that took so the names over here are a little bit into machlokas is a bit unclarity un- in the names over here so i'm gonna go according to some of the shitos just for the sake of clarity so we won't get mixed up with the names the history is 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 pretty clear but i'm saying the names uh were a little bit problematic over here but so if you get confused, if whoever learned this before, you're going to get confused a little bit with the name. I'm choosing some of the shitos. Um, Daryavish was the king at the time of Persia. He took over and he he it only lasted for very short for him. He died after uh, not a lot of years and his place takes Korish. Now Korish was known to be a very good good king. Uh, I mean, especially from the Jewish perspective. And um, he's most famous for allowing us, giving us the permit to go and build a base of English. So that's the time. Uh, don't forget, listen to last week's episode. We're right now holding in the period of the 70 years of Golos, right after um, the destruction of the first temple, right after Bais Rishon, we're seven years in Golos, right? So... The Jews get permission from Korish. Actually, today I think it's in it's in the Great Britain. I think it's in England in the museum. Don't get me. Uh, I'm almost sure that they have the actual. It's it was written on like this round um, shape stone. Stone. They have it till today. It's interesting. You can look up the the translation. What it says over there. Very interesting. Mm. It's incredible. Read it. It's like it's like fascinating to read how he gave permission to the Jews, and he was saying that he, this is this is that he gave them permission that he can go build it. So they started planning. There were the a lot of the Levim um, that were in Eretz Yisrael. They started getting get you know building the foundations. At the time, of course, uh, one of the biggest problems we had within us within the Jewish nation were the Reforms. I mean, the tzedukim and the baitusim, <laughs> um, uh, and they were they were causing us a lot of problems. You know, at the end of the churban bais rishon, right? Not already. They try to come in the tzedukim. They tried always. They even had kohen godels. I mean, later on, you know, that was a big problem. And what happened? They wanted to take part of the building of Beis Hamikdash. They want to take part. And of course, Chamim wouldn't allow them. So, of course, they sent a letter to Cyrus, to, to Korish, yeah. And they told him, listen, um, the Jews, the second that we heard rumors, the second they're going to finish Beis Amigdash, they're going to say goodbye, sayonara, we don't know you, and take off and and go against you. Um, Korish, because of political, you can call it pressure, um, he ordered to stop the building. Okay. Okay. Uh, years passed by. So we remember Korish as a very good person. He meant good, but because of pressure, he stopped it. Um, so he's still. Is while they're actually building it, or even. They, they just, just planning, managed yeah. to do the foundations. They started mm-hmm. the foundations already. The foundations of the Besamikdash were there already. It's a very important for this whole long cheshbon of when exactly was the prophecy of Yeremia fulfilled. Of the seventy mm-hmm. years, so there's there's a whole cheshbon that goes into that's tied to this. So here's the end of the story of the treasures. Korish, because he was a a good person, Hashem wanted to reward him 
for what he did. Um, the story goes that he was going with his with his soldiers uh, near that area where Nebuchadnezzar buried all his treasures. Hashem made a miracle the, that the water uh, was drained out of the you know went out of the that lake that artificial that lake was that Nebuchadnezzar was covering the treasures. Once the water went away, Hashem was Megale discovered all of the treasures that were there opened. And Korish was just driving by the Siata Dishmaya, and Korish actually uh, in, found all the treasures, all the 1,080 treasures. Isn't that incredible? Um, you think that's the end of the story? Nope. Nope. So Korish becomes this, the richest person in the world, rich like Nebuchadnezzar. It was an incredible thing. And Chachamim tell us it was like the reward for him in this world. And this uh, was before he stopped or while they were still Before he stopped. It. Yeah, good point. Uh, yeah, I spoke that he stopped already, but this is before he stopped. Okay, and then later on he stopped, and then at the end, because of political pressure, and then, like we said, and then he dies, and a Hashverosh comes into the story. Hashverosh, just to get to know this guy, he was a stable boy. He started as a stableman working by the horses, working with the horses, cleaning them up. Yep. That was his job. And um, very interesting. He was he was a very smart person, particularly in, get, in getting his way around. And he got the it's, right it's, friends. It's not that easy to be the king of the entire world. So Exactly. And, and getting there from being a stable boy. Yeah. So Even more impressive. It's not like you were born and, oh, your father died. So, yay, now I'm in charge. Right. No, exactly. no, 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 no. I'm going to go to that kid whose father was and now he's in charge and I'm going to take over. Exactly. And he, he got help with um, with Haman, by the way. This is a long-term relationship between him and Haman and his children. Um, Shimshai, the son of Haman, he was one of the per- people that were helping the Tzedukim to stop the building of the Beisamek, to stop Cyrus, Korish, to build the Beisamek. So very interesting. There's a long Long story going on over there. Everyone thinks that only for the story of uh, Megillah Sester, Haman and Achashver got to know each other. Well, it was a long-term relationship and actually helped him get to where he got. Anyways, so Achashver becomes a king. Okay. Now, once Achashver becomes a king, don't forget, he inherits all the 1,080 treasures that Korish got by miracle from Nebuchadnezzar. Okay, keep that in mind. That's going to come into play in a moment. So Achashverosh, um, you know, um, he he he's becoming king, and that he has one thing in mind. When Achashverosh be, is now about to become the king after Korish dies, he has one thing in mind. I got to show the world that I am king now. Once a person comes from a royal family, he doesn't need to prove he's a king. Back in the days, you come from the royal family. Prince Charles, you are, you're the next online, right? You're royal. He's actually sixth online, but. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I, bad <Poor> example. <laughs> he's, well, we got the point. He's a prince. He's, he's part of the uh, he's king in the family. Royal blood. He doesn't need to prove exactly. anything to anyone. He, he just, he's part of the royal family and that's it. Always exactly. was, always will be. Exactly. You know that kid in class that he has to prove that he's strong or he has to prove that he's yeah. smart. 
You and when he's not, yeah. <laughs> so usually that comes out very ugly. So that's basically the story. With that's the story of Achashverosh and the party. Okay, so Achashverosh comes up with these brilliant ideas, like like the whole his whole journey of getting himself, uh, you know, up in the ranks. Achashverosh says, "I'm going to throw a party to the world. I got to show the world my worth that I'm worth it, that I'm good. I have to prove to the world." Okay, so part of his political. Uh, um, you know, plans was he got married to who? Who was his wife? Vashti. Vashti. That's another character to get to know. Vashti is the granddaughter of Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar. And Achashverosh is purposely wanted her for a wife. First of all, she was known to be very beautiful and it gave him a lot of covet. But besides that, she's from a very, very Chasheva, uh royal uh, Babylonian family. She has, she has a very Chasheva Yichus. Yichus. Exactly, that's the word. When he went out to Shidduchim, he was looking for a good yichus. Yeah. <laughs> right? And he found. And that was part of his plan, right? To make him powerful. Nebuchadnezzar was known as the, you know, as the greatest uh, the greatest warrior, and and she's the granddaughter of that evil man. So it, it's hard to explain back in the days what was exactly, it's not like a king and a queen was not like a exactly husband and wife. It was like a, royal thing. Hashverosh had her for like his jewelry, you know, uh, but it was not really, you know, so much love going on over there. To begin with, this was part of, you know, it was political. And um, and uh, think about it. The, the Persians took over Nebuchadnezzar's palaces. They were in the, they, they lived in Babylon at the beginning. And Hashverosh is using all the pride of the Babylonian Empire, right? And putting it together with with Persian. Um, okay, so now here the action starts. So Achashverosh, um, Achashverosh decides, I got to show the world I'm king. Okay, I'm going to throw a party for the rest of the world. Now, there was one more thing he needed. There was he he had all the mishigas in the world, as they say. There was another Meshigas going on in the world for, for decades already since Shlomo HaMelech. Shlomo HaMelech lived, if, if you remember the, the numbers from last week. So if right now we're in the seven years of Gullus, how go back to the first temple. How long did the first temple last for? 410. 410. So Shlomo HaMelech, he built the first temple, right? So we're approximately talking about over 480 years, around 480 years Shlomo Melech at the time of Shlomo Melech. I'm saying from the story of Achashverosh, going back 400 years, yeah, for 400, 400 years, 10 years of the from when he built the base to make the destruction, plus the 70 years of the Churban. Right, exactly. So approximately yeah. around that, a little bit before that, a little bit more than 480 years, uh, Shlomo Melech built this magnificent chair. Okay, it was everyone. Everyone knows about it. The Kisei Shlomo. There's actually a whole description in Chazal about how the throne, how the, that chair was built. It's incredible. It's just incredible. Kisei Shlomo, the throne, Shlomo Melech had steps on every step. There were different type, different animals that were made out of gold, and they would lift him, and there was a whole mechanism going on over there. Part was physical, like a brilliant machine. I heard once someone said that it's like it had even electricity mechanism in it. The Shlomo Melech even discovered it at the time. The technology, but it was, the world was not ready for it. 
I don't know the source for it, so don't quote me. I just thought it would be interesting to mention. But basically, it was, a, it was an incredible machine. But it was also spiritual. He, every step, he would say a pasuk. And basically, it was a different animal. When we get to the top, a pigeon would come and put the crown on, top, on his head. All incredible, incredible, incredible machine. Okay, but it was not only a machine. He had deep kavanas in it. Spiritually, it was part of the, the, the you know, all the mishpate shlom, the famous court of Shlomo Melech used to happen on that chair, and it was part of the whole entire system. It was a system. When uh, either Ashur or later on, the chair was taken away. So basically the chair, they tried to, um, uh, many other kings tried to, Take that pride of that chair because the whole world, like you're right, it says like Malkat Shva, everyone used to come and see the Chachma of Shlomo. So it was a well known uh, thing that any king wished to himself. It was an incredible pride, especially the evil ones. They all wished to himself. The famous story is Paro, Paro of Mitzrayim, Paro Necho. Paro Necho, one of the reasons Chalal say that he was he was crippled. Necho means Neche. He was crippled in his leg because he tried to go on that chair and he got. Hit by the lion. Don't mess with the lions. Um, so no one didn't want to mess with the chair. But however, Achashverosh, this crazy guy, he comes up with a brilliant plan. He says, you know what? I'm going to make an exact replica of the chair. No one will know. I'm going to make an exact replica. Interestingly, the right people to build that chair, to make the replica, the umanim, the craftsmen, were the best ones for that particular job were in Shushan. Sounds familiar? I think I heard of the place. Shushan in Persia. And they start building the chair over there. After they finished the chair, they couldn't move it, basically. They couldn't. They they, they were planning on taking it in a boat on, on a river. And they calculated it's, the boat is will sink. It didn't work. And it was stuck in Shushan. Where is the Hashverosh? In Bavel. Okay? It's stuck. They can't get they t- can't take the chair from Shushan. Well, Achashverosh is not a type of guy that will give up on his dreams, his crazy dreams. So what does he do? Just moves his palace. He builds the palace around the chair. If you can't bring the chair to you, then bring the palace to the, to the chair. Yeah. <laughs> if you can't bring the chair to the palace, bring the palace to the chair, yep. to the throne. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's even hinted in the Pasuk, Bayamim Ahem, Keshevet HaMelech Achashverosh, so the Pasuk is kind of like emphasizing on his throne that is in Shushan. Like, why do you need to tell me on his throne that's in Shushan? Like, just tell me he was in Shushan. Who cares about his throne? So that's a hint to this incredible story. He he did sit on the Shlomo HaMelech's? On the replica of it. No, he Not didn't sit on the actual one. No one dared. It was a known thing by all these crazy uh, kings that that they really desired to have a kisa shlomo shlomo melech was was you so know yes yeah, so the, you build the replica without the spiritual part of it just the physical part of it right and that's why the by the way he beauty. they couldn't schlep it it was so heavy yeah. if you build the exact amount but without the f- spiritual aspect anyway so he sits on the chair so chazal teaches an incredible story that this whole entire mishigas was to give us a little symbolic idea that who lived in shushan Mordechai lived in Shushan. Chazal teaches that Hashem 
wanted to Hashem did this whole Meshigas that got into Hashverosh to bring a Hashverosh to Shushan to the Tzaddik and not the Tzaddik to a Hashverosh how did you had a line before bring the throne to the palace or the palace to the throne so Hashem wanted on that Hashem wanted to bring the Russia to the Tzaddik and not need to schlep Mordechai all the way to Bavel for the story of the Megillah he's sitting and learning so okay so bring the Russia to him and you know and make the whole story Let's unfold get there. The party started now, <laughs> right? Exactly. That was a little idea in there uh, that Hashem is already. By the way, this is tied. You're going to see. I mean, everything is linked to to link after link after link after link of a big chain of miracles. Although you can read the story of Megillah, we're going to talk about this soon. You read the story of Megillah, and it sounds like you know, cool story, awesome, great, but it nothing like. Open miracles, right? Just this crazy king hanging people, stopping a thing, making a party, getting drunk, killing people, right? It could sound almost political, but if you deep di- dig, um, deep in, that's the whole purpose of these of this year, of this episode. You start seeing these were open miracles, incredible miracles. How everything is, all these mishagas are really tied and connected here for this tiny idea to bring a chashverosh to Shushan because the miracle at the end will be happening through Mordechai and Esther. Okay, now let's start linking all those nice stories. And now that we have kind of the background, the basic background, there's a lot that goes more into it, by the way. But now that we have like the ba- these basic links, let's go into the story. What's the first story in the Megillah? The party. It starts with the party. It seems to be that the party was the the main part of everything. That's where it all started. That's where it all kind of happened. Let's put it that way. Obviously, everything happens at a party, right? So, like we said before, what's the point of the party? Achashverosh wants to show that he's the man. He's the king. He was he was very smart. He first took care of all the all the royal and then uh, people that are close to the Malchus. Pe- uh, people who helped him get to where he was. Like yeah, all the celebrities. Yeah. No, but basically, but everyone, also his rivals. Why? He said, first, let me bribe them. Let me give them some good wine, good food, good time. And I have him on, on my side. Okay? That was, his, that was his number one. Then he made for... Uh, for the rest, right? He made for Shushan, special for Shushan. Why? He wanted the people that are close to him to be friendly with them, right? Because if if they're going to go against him, so the first ones are the people that are close to him. So he first wanted to bribe the Shushanese and get him on his side, and then he made a party for everyone. Hey, everyone. I'm interrupting this wonderful conversation to let you know about a fantastic, one-of-a-kind book that Archkol has recently published titled on the shoulders of giants. Rabbi Shmuel Bloom, who was involved in leadership positions in Agadis Yisrael for over five decades, takes us behind the scenes to gain a unique understanding of Das Torah in all its glory. Rabbi Bloom met with Gedoli Yisrael at Moetz's Gedoli HaTorah and in quiet, urgent conferences. He chatted with them in cars and on Shabbos afternoons at conventions. He shares with us stories, many of them not widely known, of generations of greatness. From the Chafetz Chaim to Rev. Aaron Cutler and Reb Meisha Feinstein, from the Geir Rebbes and Reb Aaron Lane Steinman to Rev. Don Segal and dozens and dozens more. We also meet the Jewish people's Askanim. We are amazed by 
by first-handed stories of Mike Tress and, of course, the incomparable Reb Maisha Sher. In his years in Agadot, Rabbi Bloom also met with the highest echelons of the U.S. government, and he shares his behind-the-scenes understanding of great political events and movements. It is a book you definitely should not miss. Get a copy today at archgirl.com, Amazon, or at your local Jewish bookstore. On the Shoulders of Giants by Rabbi Shmuel Bloom. Get your copy today. I would also like to let you know that every few weeks throughout the Back to Basics program, we have a Q&A with Rabbi Liel Shalom. So if you have a question or just want to get a little bit more clarity on any one of the episodes, send us your question to jewishfoundations at gmail.com. That is jewishfoundations at gmail.com. Starting next Q&A, not just one, but every person whose question is answered will get a free copy of the fascinating book On the Shoulders of Giants. So, send us your question today to jewishfoundations at gmail.com. And now, let's get back to the show. The parties last for 180 days. It's a pretty nice party. Every day, Achashverosh which this was his main point, he calculated that he can go through six treasures a day. Remember those treasures? I told you we're going to get back to it. It doesn't end. Those treasures, those 1,080 treasures, he figured out, Achashverosh figured out that you can, the most you can do a day is six treasures. You know, minus the eating, the, the, the drinking, having a great time, having all the jugglers and entertainment over there. But his, his, he, the best entertainment, I mean, for men, of course, this is a big entertainment. We're going to get to the woman soon. The best entertainment is looking at treasures Today's and wealth. Cars back in the day. Car. have cars. It's <laughs> like, you know, oh, look at this diamond. Look at that piece of gold. Exactly. Look at this art piece. Uh, didn't they have such thing as uh, called a hangover back in the day? Like, h- how do you get drunk for 180 <laughs> days straight? No, no, no. So, uh, that's a that's a uh, common. Uh, I just <laughs> I just gave this year not long ago. And then someone asked that question. It was so funny. It's so funny you're asking it as well. Like, they didn't get drunk for 180 days straight. No. The party went for 180 days not everyone was there for 180 days straight. No, no, no. People were coming and no, going. Like, like I told you, know, there like were different parts. And the people, you know. So they knew how to handle themselves. They, they would get drunk, then calm themselves down and get drunk. You know, they, they had a good time. Hmm. Yeah, but it was always available there. Not everyone was there for 180 days. Um, uh, most of them, like, you know, look into the, you know, there were different parts of it. So people were coming mm-hmm. and going. Achashverosh himself, yeah, these people knew how to drink. Yeah. Yeah, there's people today wow. that know how to drink, and they, uh, you know, pretty busy with drinking, and they, they know how to drink. Again, that's a different talk. But anyways, um, so, so he calculated that he can show six treasures a day. For 180 much? days straight. No, so each, why did it come, why, where did the 180 days number come from? How much is six times 180? Uh, 1,080. Good. So I'm not that good, good at math. It's good. Just that, that was I mean, fast. <laughs> it was obvious. You're ways. brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, um, 1,080. That's why the party lasted for 180 days. Because he calculated, I can show, I can manage to show six treasures a day. And this Michigana, he wanted to show every single treasure he has. That's why he made it 180 days. It's he said, crazy. I got to show all the treasures. And he calculated six days, six treasures a day. Okay. 
Besides all the crazy food, you know, going to the Midrashim, this is incredible. That's why I encourage all of the listeners, please go look into the details because they're fascinating. It's incredible how everything is connected and you're just going to appreciate the story more and more and more. Now I'm just giving you the tip of the iceberg. So they're eating, they're drinking, having a good time. Fine. Let's move to Vashti for a second. Now, Vashti is um, is making her own party. That was also not a normal thing to do. It was just not a normal thing for back in those days in that culture. She makes a party. Where does she make the party? In it says in the first in the pasuk, she makes it in the palace. Not only in the palace, in the place, almost like in the in the place in the chambers of Ahasuerus, when where only Ahasuerus is allowed to go in there. And the woman that she invited, they love it. They love it. Why? You know, that's what that's to see beautiful house. If you see, she was telling him all about Ahasuerus. What does he do? Where does he sleep? And they were able to ask all the questions. Then. That leads us to what seems to be bizarre, but that's part of the, like the hidden miracles of Purim. In this old bizarre scenario, uh, um, you know the situation of uh, Chazal tell us, and it was the seventh day of on on that party, and it was uh, it was Shabbos. It was the end. It was like oh, the grand finale of the party, the big party. And it happened to be on Shabbos. And the Jews were there. They decided to go to the party, although Mordechai was against it. Mordechai said, this is planned. This was all designed to celebrate the Churban Beis Amigdash. And Chazal say that no, not only that, that was his personal thing. He had another deeper, deeper uh, uh, plan. He was partying. Okay, you ready for this? Big surprise. He was partying that the prophecy of Yirmiya Navi was not fulfilled and the Jew and the Jews will never build a base Amigdash. Because there was a prophecy everyone knew that Yirmiya said that after seven years of, of Golos, we're gonna go back to the base Amigdash. And seventy years Those, came, they built the foundations, but that's it. It finished. He calculated he had a wrong he had the wrong calculations. He was kind of three years off. He calculated from when Nebuchadnezzar became king instead of calculating when the actual base Amigdash was destroyed. Hmm. And he calculated from Nebuchadnezzar becoming a king, which is approximately three years before the Khorban. He makes the wrong calculation and says, Oh, the seven years passed. And that's why he made the party. Ready for this? He made the party to celebrate. That he is the biggest empire of the world. He controlled 127 countries, right? He's the he's the empire of the world. He's the head of the empire of the world, and the threat of the Jews is no longer existing. And that's why he wore the big day kohen gadol. He used the camel of the base amikdash to symbolize and to show. Right, he all did it on a cover. Like I'm just using these beautiful things that. That Nebuchadnezzar captured, but like, where did he get it from, right? No, no, no. It was not part of the treasures that he was showing. He was actually using it, degrading it, bizayon. To sh- he was parting that he's the empire of the world and no longer I have that threat of the Jews. The Jewish king- kingdom was always a threat to the, the those people. That's why they came to us, came to us endless of times. So 
that is the real reason why Hashverosh is doing this party. Hashverosh is a real evil people. Some people make him as like, you know, he was just like, yes. He, at the end of the day, he cared about his covenant. You're going to see it's going to override everything by him. Even his hate to the Jews will be override, over, oh, oh, will be overtaken by his love to himself. You'll see that happening. Anyways, Achashverosh, it's the seventh day. It's a grand finale. Achashverosh is drunk like crazy. Okay? Achashverosh is totally drunk. And when all it was Shabbos, the Jews were were were, were making a Suda Shabbos by, by, by Achashverosh. It was all kosher. You know, everyone knows the story. It was all 100% kosher. But Haman, which helped to plan this party, by the way, he was part of the plan also. He had in mind, he hoped that the Jews at the end will sin. He know he knew that Hashem won't be happy with the Jews being in this party. And look what happens. What happened is, Hashverus is drunk. And you remember the women were inside the palace? And they're chattering. They're talking and talking. And there was no music going around. He wanted everyone to not to be, to folk before. There's different reasons for it. But basically, all these people, all these drunk guys, are hearing in their back of the mind and their subconscious they hear women all the time. So slowly, slowly, the man talks over there became all about women. And the Medrash describes that Halal Gemara says, they started they started a major argument over there. If the Madai Medayot are the more more pretty girls or the Parsiot or the Persian girls. And they're having this big debate going on. That's what happens when they start talking, you know, nonsense when they're drunk. And this big talk gets to the ears of Achashverosh. Achashverosh hears about this big debate. And Achashverosh, he gets up and he says, guys, you don't know what you're talking about. You're saying Medeot, you're saying Persians? No, 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 no. The, the most pretty girls are the Babylonians. I'll prove to you. And the most pretty one is Vashti. Vashti was the granddaughter of Nebuchadnezzar. She's Babylonian. Achashverosh's wife. Achashverosh's wife. And she, he tells them she's the most beautiful woman, more than the Persians and what the Medayot. What a husband. Yep. <laughs> you re- <laughs> wait for this. You'll, you know the story. And he calls to bring her in, not only to show her beauty, but not only that, he, he asks a very... He added a twist to it. He asked her to come without clothes. Now there, there's there's Chazal about it. There's there's a measure that said that actually she wouldn't mind coming without clothes, but there was a different problem, right? The measure says that that she grew a t- Hashem made a miracle and she grew a tail, or she had pimples. Pimples. Okay, so that's why she didn't want to come, but she would come. So what happens is she doesn't want to come. Um, she first says she doesn't want to come. And Achashverosh, for whatever reason, they have a whole back and forth why she wanted, why she didn't want. And then Achashverosh is basically after that whole entire back and forth that she refuses to come. Achashverosh is stuck. Right now he's stuck. He is so mad. Why? Whatever he'll do, he's messed up. Everyone knows that they called Vashti, that Vashti was called to come. If she doesn't come, his whole party is over. Why? Why did he do this whole party to show how powerful he is? Like you can't even have your wife. You you, you asked like, your wife come. That's that's more malchus. It's 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 uh you know going against the word of the king. It's a death penalty. 
So what is he going to do? It, so whatever he's going to do, he's messed up. If he's going to let her go, his dignity is down to the floor and that he, he defeats the whole purpose of his party. If he kills her, he didn't want to kill her. But he had to. So he's stuck. He doesn't know what to do. And the story, everyone knows the story. He goes to, in very short, the Pasuk has a half a word about it. But he doesn't know what to do. He's mad like crazy. It says, His heat was 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 baking inside because he didn't, he, whatever he would do would be would be bad for him. So he asked his advisors. There were two different courts. There's a court that takes care of the of the country, and there was a court that takes care of the personal things of the king. So basically Haman, which saw, which was waiting for this incredible opportunity to get his daughter, everyone knows he wanted to get his daughter into the into the kingdom and make his way in through even higher. Um, Haman basically, uh, they come to one of the court that of people that take care of themselves, he had to ask them, the that court, the court that takes care of the king's stuff, um, what to do. He tried to ask different people. Everyone tried to. He even tried to ask the the, the Jews, and the Jews said, "Ah, oh, since the Churban Beis we don't have the, the they they got because they knew whatever they're going to decide. If they they're going to paskin, it, all of the none of his judges wanted to uh, give him a give him a, a psak." Yeah, right. Whatever they're going to say, if they're going to tell him to king, kill Vashti when he's going to get out of his uh, of being drunk, he's they're going to he's going to kill them that they killed Vashti. If they're going to let him go, so he's going to kill them anyways for for you know lose, not lose saving situation. his dignity, his dignity exactly. So at the end of the story, everyone knows Haman, Haman, which is also a crazy, um, you know, using his brilliance for the wrong things. They changed the law. Believe it or not, there's a, a whole back and forth over there. But basically, at the end of the day, they change the law and they say, you know what? The king is allowed to, for this case, the king is allowed to decide for himself. They made Ahasuerus decide for himself. That was Haman's brilliant idea. And that way, so it was really Haman's idea, but Haman didn't really say to kill him. He made Ahasuerus do it. He just changed the law. <laughs> he said, no, no. Yeah, Hashverus, you allow, you'll no be allowed to. What Hashverus does after Hashverus isn't drunk anymore, then what do you want, Hashverus? You decided what to do. Exactly. So like, what do you want from me? They literally went. They changed the law. They have every, They had everything in writing, and 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 Hashverus did it. Go, went and killed her. Did it pass through the House and the Senate? It did. America. That, but but they changed like the constitution, <laughs> so to speak. They changed it. They changed it on the spot. And Haman did. That was Haman's idea. It was kind of a brilliant idea, right? Because they were stuck. They, whatever they would do, it would sound bad. So Haman came up with this brilliant idea of making Ahasuerus himself kill Vashti and just change the law. It's crazy. Crazy. Um, just to conclude, this 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 uh, these stories and links go on and on and on throughout the whole story. And just to show you that Purim is about the the way Hashem runs the world in the hidden way. We see so many stories. You see stories in history and look at today's stories. So you want you can take Corona for example, you can take uh, uh, what's happening in the United States for example. You can take what's happening in the Middle East for example. Whatever you want. 
right? So there's a story the way it unfolds, right? So you have this and that, and that happened and that happened, and then he became the, the president and he became the president, and you have this whole back and forth, right? And you can write a nice story about any period of history. But then, if you look closely, if you look closely, and we, and you have the schus also to see it, not always we have the schus to see it, and not only we, not always we have the schus to have a miracle, but at the time of Purim, Hashem made us an incredible miracle, but it was all covered. That's why, by the way, one of the reasons that there's no shame Hashem in Megillah Sester. You realized? There's no Yudke Vavke. There's no God's name mm. in Megillah Sester. Isn't that incredible? It says that every time it says Hamelech, it's referring, which is talking about a Hashverosh, it's really hinting to Hashem, the Melech, the King. Hashem, meaning just like from these stories that we brought you, how things rolled and this and this, and sh- he came to Shusha, and he, because of this Mishigas, and then, and as you saw in the last story, really what ma- made the whole miracle, by the way, you know why we drink wine on Purim. You, you drink wine on Purim, right? Usually whiskey. But, whiskey, uh, yeah, that's also good, but L'Chadchila, you should drink wine, right? Yeah. I Also, yeah. I have a hard time with wine, so. Um. Yeah. So you 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 just I tried it. You get for drunk one year, and 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 that was the last time I tried. <laughs> it was uh, yeah. Didn't uh didn't have fun. Yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, for some people, wine is pretty tough. But why wine? Why do we get drunk? And and that's why it's lavdafka wine. Why do you get drunk on Purim? You know why? Because the whole miracle happened through wine. Being drunk. Yeah, through wine. Because the, this last story that we just said with the Hashverosh, this craziness, he wouldn't kill Vashti. No way. Yeah, like you see the second he, would he kill her. came back, he's like, who, who, who killed my wife? Who decided that? Exactly. You know, like, uh, it, was, uh, it wasn't him. It was the drunkness. Right. I wish I could go on like, then he asked his Naram Melech, it says, Meshartav, his, the, the, the servants, he asked them like, oh, what should I do? And they tell him, just go make a beauty contest and, and find the most beautiful woman. Why would someone do that? He didn't even look for it's miracle after miracle, but they were all hidden. You see, it's all like, sounds like, like I told you earlier, like a political story. But underneath, you just dig a drop in, just scrap off the surface. At the end of the day, no matter how natural it looks, God is behind everything. They were incredible open. They were in, I mean, we had the schus that we were spared, right? That we were not, Haman wanted to kill us. It was, it was, a, it was, a, it was, he was, Hitler, that's what that was his plan. The same plan that Hitler had. We forgot that. Haman and Hitler had the same exact plan. La shmid la arog ul abed et kol ayudim. Et kol ayudim. Haman wouldn't be satisfied, just like Hitler wouldn't be satisfied if one Jew would remain in the world. We mentioned this earlier in the episodes, right? The thing with Hitler, his famous saying that he said, "As long as one Jew." Standing in the world, uh, waving the flag that the one that defines the good and bad is God. Our job is not done. That was Haman. That's what Haman stands for, and that's what Amalek stands for. Saying like, as long as there's one Jew who's not bowing down to me, then all of this saying Shavali is like kind of the same thing. Like you have every single Jew bowing down to, not even the Jews, even the non-Jews bowing down. There's one person, one person. That the whole thing is not worth it. Why not? Because that's what he wanted. That's what he wanted. And that's Amalek, by the way. So that's why, by the way, we don't 
accidentally read Parsha Zohar in this period of time. Parsha Zohar is about Amalek, to know the source. Why do we have a a a, a war, Midor Lador, every generation with Amalek? Because Amalek is in many shapes and forms. He can be, he's threatening our lives, he's threatening our existence. He's not just like, oh, I want you dead, I don't like you. No, your whole existence, your whole being, you your stand whole for. Shkafa, yeah, your, the shkafa. whole thing you stand for. Exactly. exactly. The, I am against that. And as long as there's one person on planet Earth who even thinks in that type of way, then 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 I'm going to be miserable. There you go. Yeah, it's like, it's not about, oh, 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 you're doing something I don't like. I want you dead. Like, no, it's it's your whole, your the whole purpose and the whole meaning and the whole way of living of Jews is that they're against that. So that's why even if there's only one person who still does it, which means this type of living still exists in the world. Right. So so they're just not going to stop. That like exactly. that's why it's so terrible. <sighs> yep, crazy stuff. That's our long-lasting war we have. Yep. Even though today we don't know who they are, the Malikims, they got mixed, but they still exist. Yeah, in, that, uh, and, many and shapes and forms. Look at it on the on the positive side is that it shows you that however like even if just one person is still, you know, believes in Hashem is doing like just no matter who it is, one, one person, how much influence it has on the world. Because these people, it's not like, okay, so there's one crazy guy down in some, I don't know, who who believes in God. Okay, so you know, send him to Kfarshal. You know, <laughs> who cares about? No. I don't care who he is, what he is. If he believes in that type of thing, then we're not going to stop. So you look at the positive side, it shows that every single person who believes in it, you know, who believes in God and goes, lives his life based on the Torah, how much it influences the world. Wow. It's crazy to think about. It's beautiful. Yeah. That is beautiful. Um, yeah. So just to conclude this whole beautiful idea, again, there's, uh, you know, there's more. So this is just a so beautiful much to taste. It. So much to it. This, beautiful this is just the foundations. Horror. Yeah, exactly. That's what we do here. But now uh, That's what we your do job is to take use these foundations and build a base of Megdash on it. Oh, nice. Nice. Beautiful words. Um, so just to conclude this, Purim. Just one word about this, really, the whole point of Purim. So as you see, you read the whole Megillah, the point is that there is a, there is a, is to see in the in the nature, to see the miracles, right? Everyone knows the, the comparison, with the, we compare Hanukkah to Purim. Hanukkah and Purim are exact opposites, right? Hanukkah is about the, it was a war against our spirituality and Purim is, it was against our physicality, right? Haman wanted to destroy us, and the Yavonim, the Greeks, wanted to destroy our purity, right? Just make yeah. us one of the nations, right? They didn't want to kill us. Mm-hmm. They right? wanted, that they, That was the message, they want to get rid of, uh, you know, Mila and Chodesh and, and Shabbos, yeah. right? That was their whole goal. They were Their whole goal was to destroy us, destroy the Jewish nation by by, by not, not having, physically, not being Israel, not being, uh, exactly, not having our spiritual specialty. Like in Judaism, like everything has a meaning behind it, not just the deep concepts, but even just the simple stuff like Purim, what is like the, uh, call it toy, right? The gragger, right? To make yeah. noise, Haman, yeah, yeah, you know, you have the gragger. And what is the Hanukkah toy, the dreidel? So 
Which are minhagim, by the way. These are right, minhagim. Right, yeah, it's minhagim. We, and just see, it's, it's not just random stuff, right? right? So right. The, the dreidel, how do you spin the dreidel? You hold it from the top, right? The stick to mm. turn the dreidel is on top. The gragger, also you spin it, but where do you hold it? You bottom. hold it from the bottom. Why? Because it represents that Hanukkah, the the thing that turned around, you know, the whole nace was was all from Hashem. I mean, you have the biggest and most powerful army in the world fighting, a, you know, a couple of rabbis from Kolel. And, right. and like, <laughs> it was such a nace go, like wiping out Klal Israel to, you know, for to them being saved. It was all from above, you know, like it would all happen from above. Right. And on Purim, like Rabbi said, like Hashem, you know, there's no shame Hashem in the Megillah. Why? Because the whole thing that turned the story around happened from down here. As you know, Saimu Masped and they were Vaefer and they were praying. You know, the whole story, the whole thing that spun the story around from the Jews being destroyed to the Jews not being destroyed happened, you know, in a natural way down here in Plandirdo. So that's why, like even the toys you see that the dreidel you spin from the top, because the nace of Hanukkah happened, you know, from Hashem, from up above. And the Purim and happened the Purim from the bottom. story, what turned the whole story around, happened from down here on planet Earth. That's why the toy of Purim, you you spin from the bottom. So, like, you, like even, Beautiful like, these Minhagim are not just, oh, yeah, let's play this, let, oh, Zecher de Zeh, in the tunnel, they used to play dreidels before the Yavonic. Like, no, <laughs> everything has a deep meaning behind it, right. no matter how simple it may look, or just, oh, yeah, it's just a game, like, who cares about it? No, <laughs> like, there's a deep meaning behind it. It comes from somewhere, you know, it's not. Beautiful. Yep. You know, you know rab, one rabbi told me, don't mess with Minhagim. Minhag has the same words, letters as Gehenim. Don't yeah. mess. <laughs> don't mess. <Yeah. laughs> but beautiful. That's a, such a beautiful idea. Yeah, everything in Judaism uh, has a meaning and purpose behind it, which that's is so wonderful. amazing. That's wonderful. So just to conclude, uh, that's why I brought this Purim and, uh, and Hanukkah, because uh, uh, Purim is all about, that's why we, we all, it's all about physical, Right. Shalachmanas, the eating, the partying, the drinking, right? And we we do a lot of that. That's like the 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 main part of the of the Purim is is the, that incredible suda and the and the food because we are thanking Hashem for the physical aspect of it. And Hanukkah, there it's not so much about the eating. There's no like. A mitzvah to so much to eat. There's something there, zeicher for what Yehudas did, but there's no eating as an integral sudas Hanukkah. There's no sudas Hanukkah. You know what I mean? There's a mitzvah to harvest to do simcha and whatever, but that's not part of the mitzvah of the day um, because of there you you do the light. The light symbolizes the spirituality. That's what you celebrate. But on on Purim you celebrate the body, right? But there's a deeper there's a deeper layer over there. Because it was done in a hidden way, and like you said, in Hanukkah, it was, it was from above. It was, it was nigla. It was nesgalui. It was open miracles. And Purim being the hidden miracles, it says, Chachamim tell us, Hadar ma'ahava. We accepted the Torah on Purim hundreds of years after uh, Har Sinai, right? That we received the Torah. It says over there, we received the Torah, we wanted to get the Torah. And we, we saw the awesomeness of the miracles that happened to us in Mitzrayim and the Kriyas Yamsuf. And we all get on this highest level to Har Sinai. And we wanted the Torah. It was clear to us. And even then, Hashem had to force us a little bit, right? Kafalam Harkigigis, although we wanted it, but we got like kind of cold feet. 
we were scared. So Hashem had to put in also some fear. Like, right? It's a very famous thing, you know, when you you cannot raise your, when you're going to raise your children, maybe if one day we talk about chinuch, the father has to have mora. Uh, fear, not uh, in, in the bad sense of fear of like, uh, you know, scaring them, boo, right? But um, having what we call yira, yira is, is awe, right? That you, a kid also should, you know, should get punishments if he's doing the wrong thing, right? If a parent just raises his child like, okay, I'm not going to force him to do anything. If you're not going to force your child to do some things, you got to force. We're not going to go into details what and how and why and how and why. But if you won't have any, some things that will be forced, the kid will turn into a spoiled brat, animal slash animal, right? Just look what's happened in America. Right? Unfortunately, Chinuch went down the drain because uh, kids don't have uh, borders and they don't have self-control. So, they end up suffering because they don't have self-control. Everything hurts their feelings and it's not noise. <laughs> exactly. So in Chinuch, you have this concept of year and hava. It has to be a beautiful combination in the right way. That's 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 the beautiful craft of Chinuch. But knowing how to do year and ahava, right? Fear and love uh, both combine nicely in the right amounts. Um, which is, you know, easy said, the hardest yeah. thing to do. Um, but that's why you need to get a degree to be mechanic uh, your children. You got to learn. Yep. But anyways, um Sinai, HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us a combination of love, right? Hashem is giving it. We said Nasev and Nishma. We love, it was like, oh, we saw the, 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 these incredible things that happened to us. And, but, but we had fear. We had cold feet. Hashem had the Kofar Kigis. It says in Purim, we got the perfect balance. There was, we were missing a little bit on, on, on the, the ahava, on the love, and accepting the Torah and accepting Hashem's, you know, old Malchus Shemaim, as they say, if, with love. It was missing. It was missing because Hashem had to Hashem had to kind of push us into it a little bit because we got cold feet. But in Purim, it all changed. What changed? In Purim, we, we realized that not only open miracles like splitting the sea and everything, that we accepted it because we saw the awesome, that, that's a little bit more from fear. You see, that doesn't come so much from love. It's more from fear when you see how awesome Hashem was. So then, of course, you're going to accept it. More from fear. More because you kind of, like, I got to do it. I, I have to do it. This is the most logical thing in the world, right? Hashem split the sea for us. That's the right. He wants the good for us. So I believe He wants the good for us. But it's more from fear, especially with the Kafar Gigis. Purim, and that's what we should realize. I, I feel this is like the biggest thing you can make money off in in, uh, in in Purim. In Purim, you realize that your whole entire life, your mundane life, the regular life, your everyday life, and also the, some, some of the greater days in your life, it's all covered. It's covering up incredible miracles and incredible siyat adishmaya. Your life seems to be like a, a bunch of mundane stuff and money and a thing and parnasa. I'm going to work and I'm going to make money. I'm going to go on the thing. This. I'll raise children. I'll be married. I'll do this. I'll have a job. I'll have a career. I'll learn. I'll do this. Right? But under your life, just like the story of Purim, there's incredible miracles going on. Incredible. How did things happen? We just need to open our eyes and see it. If you open your eyes and see it, the more it's very hard. 
But the more you open your eyes, you see, you see the miracles that are sitting underneath your life and how interesting and how fascinating your life is. Yeah. And th- that's also the thing of, you know, getting drunk. It says you need to get drunk. How is that possible? No matter how drunk you get, if, if that, anything, that it just happen. makes you more upset on Haman. And, you know, like. How could like oh, oh till till you don't like you don't know who's the bad one and who's the good right. one right or like the Mishnah Bura says you don't know what was a better favor of Hashem right right it's like that uh, Haman was killed or Mordechai became big right yeah. like oh the, you you don't know what but was but like, you're asking it, how do you get to uh, that how, it's, you 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 can it's about no matter how drunk you are <laughs> yeah if you could even if you could even still say Haman and say Mordechai <laughs> you know which one is the good one and which one is the bad right, one right. so how do you get to a point that that you just don't know which one is the good one and which one is the bad one so said it's not the like oh maybe uh, I don't know maybe Haman was a good guy and Mordechai was actually the bad guy that's not what it means Adliyada ben Baruch Mordechai and Haman it says Adliyada ben Baruch Mordechai Arhaman, right? Ah, oh, Barham. I praise Mordechai and Arhaman. Ah, oh, I curse Haman for trying to destroy us. No, you need to get so drunk and so close to Hashem till you understand that it's not Baruch Mordechai, it's not Mordechai who saved us, and it's not Arhaman. Haman is not like I'm not cursing Haman because that's what did it. Yeah. Because oh, he's who tried to destroy us, right? Obviously, he was a very evil person who wanted to do very evil stuff to the Jewish. People, but who allowed him to do that? Hashem. It was all from Hashem. So that's what you need to get so drunk until it's so close to Hashem, until you know, like, yes, he, you know, here in this world, Pidarachateva looked like Haman tried to destroy us, but Mordechai came then save us. But but behind the scenes, Hashem allowed Haman, like it was a punishment on Cloud Israel, Hashem allowed Haman to come out and, you know, try and work on destroying us. And Hashem helped Mordechai. You know, kind of that's how it happened that we got saved, but but it's all from Hashem. So that's what you need to get. Adelayada ben Baruch Mordechai. Oh, Mordechai saved us, and Haman uh, wanted to destroy us. No, it was, it's all from Hashem. Exactly, all the underlying miracles, and that that's the conclusion of of, of that's exactly the conclusion of what I what I started before. That's how Hadar Kiblu Me'ahava stealing the punchline. No, 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 that is the punchline. <laughs> it's good you said it, and well said. Right, that's the punchline. That's why Hazar Kiblu Ma'ava. It's not the open miracles that are like, oh my gosh, you saw that a fire came from the sky and this and this happened. It all happened in a natural. It's the life way. in the natural way. In the natural, we saw all the miracles laying underneath the natural. That's why Hadar Kiblu Ma'ava. Then we accepted the Torah, we accepted the Ol Malchus Shemaim with love. We see that now also the regular life, not only, I'm not going to accept it only because Hashem is making open miracles. It's because he gave us life. The actual life is the miracle, is the incredible thing that's happening. That's incredible. The life itself, that's how it's supposed to be. That's that's the incredible part of life. Not only seeds being split or the ten makos and mitzrayim. The actual life, how life how a person's life starts from here and he was saved from the war and he went to there and he went to there. Incredible, a chain of miracles under his life over there. Then you actually give to incredible love and I think that's what Purim is about. Purim is about something beyond just seichel, just the brain. goes back to the episode of uh, emotion and logic. It's part of Purim is just pure emotion. Pure emotion, but no, no logic over there. 
just pure emotion that Hashem just had rachmim, because you know it said that it was stamped with blood, the that the Jews will be finished. That's all. We 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 did terrible. The Jews messed up because of Nebuchadnezzar, because of different reasons why. But that's it. We we the, the base of English was destroyed. That that should have been the end of us. Should have been the end of us. That's all. By Haman, it should have been the end. We wouldn't be here. By the way, that's why on Laosid Lavo, um, all the yomtivs that are connected to Golas, the fasts and the these the Hanukkah will all be cancelled, besides Purim. Why Purim won't be cancelled? Without Purim, without the miracle of Purim, you wouldn't be there. You wouldn't be in the days of Mashiach. Got it? You wouldn't physically be living. So you gotta keep on celebrating Purim forever. Because that's the whole reason you're here. You're here. Got it? So that's why Purim is about love. And it's just Hashem gave us Rachamim no matter what. We didn't deserve it. But Hashem gave this incredible Rachamim. And through a, a regular political story, quote-unquote, there were incredible miracles going on over there, just under the surface. We realized it. We praised it. We thank Hashem. And um, keep up the love. And that's what I bless us, that Purim is the time that we should We should start doing what we're doing more with love because of the love, incredible love Hashem showed us. Not only because it makes sense, Hashem made us miracle and we are Sinai and Kafalam Harkegis. It's all true. But now we need to put in together the love, put in the love, put in that warmth, that relationship that we have with Hashem, warm it up and uh, put it in action. Shakoyach. What an amazing episode. What an this amazing great. episode. This is a great preparation for Purim. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Hope you have a wonderful Purim. Macharain with wine, whiskey, or any other alcohol. Mm. Have a wonderful, wonderful Purim. And we will be back next week. Thank you for listening. So that is it for today. Hope you enjoyed. Hope you were able to learn something new. Hope you were able to put something in your pocket for life, as we like to say here on the Foundations Podcast. If you liked today's episode, don't forget to share it with a friend, subscribe, and leave a comment. Thank you very much for listening. Have a wonderful and uplifting Purim. We will be back next week. Music